book of Romans chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 15. When you got it, say so. Oh, y'all still sleeping, huh? All right, all right. I'll wait for you. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. When you got it, say so. There we go. Y'all sound awake now. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now, having been set free from sin and having been slaves of God and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, thank you so much for your word that is true. Thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be in the scriptures today, to be together today, to worship you. And Lord, this morning we pray that you would speak to us, that you would open our ears, Lord, that we would be able to hear from you clearly. And Lord God, that you will enable us, Lord, not just to hear what you're saying, but to internalize these truths and Lord, to be changed by them, that we may live more fully for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you one. We want to be sure that you can follow along and you can take some notes. And um, hopefully you'll use this to help someone else grow in their faith. Uh, we are continuing, as I said, in our Roman series. And I don't know if you realize this, but whether you realize it or not, we are all living for and working towards eternity. And I have to be honest, when I wrote that, I didn't think about it. And, and I thought to myself, I don't think about eternity all the time. Like, I don't wake up every day and think, okay, today I'm working for eternity, right? Like, a lot of times I wake up and I'm like, man, can I just go back to bed, right? Like, we are, can I hit the, can I, I'm going to hit the snooze button or something like that. And if I wake up late because I hit the snooze button too many times, then guess what? I'm definitely not thinking about anything other than getting out to the appointment that I've got to be at, right? So I don't walk around thinking about eternity all the time. So I don't want you to think that. But what we don't, whether we realize it or not, we are all living for and working toward eternity. Every day we get closer to the end of our lives on this earth and to the beginning of eternity with God or separated from his love and his grace if we are not walking with him. And so in thinking about that, in, in, in the work world, right, we earn what we get by who we work for. Is that correct? I mean, that's, that's what it is. If you work for a company, you earn whatever that company gives you, whatever you agreed on. And so we are foolish to think we'll get something different than our agreed upon salary or hourly wage or that we will get our paycheck from someone else. I mean, think about this, right? You go ahead, you go work, you know, you go and you apply with a, with a company, you sit down with them, you go through all of the um, background checks and everything like that, agreed upon a particular salary, and then you go and you get your paycheck and you're like, yo, what's this? Right? 
like, like shocked, like you didn't know you was getting paid that, you know, like, like that's what you agreed upon. It'd be even crazier if you decided to show up to another company like, yo, where's my paycheck, right? Like that would just be nuts, right? Like that would not make sense. And, what I, and, and the reason why I say that is because it sounds so ridiculous and so far-fetched, but here's what I want you to grasp is that the same principles hold true when it comes to spiritual things. The same principles hold true when it comes to spiritual things and when it comes to eternity. There's no difference, right? You know what you signed up for. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you signed up to follow him and you know what the end result is, right? The last verse there, right? The gift of God is eternal life. But if you are not a follower of Jesus, then you know what that means? That means that the wages of sin is death. And that's what that means. Eternal death, right? This eternal separation from God's love, from God's goodness, from God's grace under the wrath of God. I mean, there's no way I can come and say well hey God um, I, I was living this way but I deserve this no you don't it's not that way right and so we have to have this understanding so I want you to think about this this morning our allegiance determines our inheritance our allegiance determines our inheritance what, 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 our allegiance to whoever, if it's to God or to ourselves, that is what is going to determine our inheritance. The one that we are pledged to, and this morning I want to talk about uh, that, that thought of being pledged. But the one that we're pledged to is the one that's going to pay us. That's the reality. And so who we're, who we're pledged to, who we're in allegiance with, is going to determine our inheritance. And so the Apostle Paul, as we see here in these scriptures, he's addressing these issues. He's talking to us, and he's speaking to them about these eternal matters. And remember, last week we started talking about the concept of us um, or, or the people that he was writing to and them thinking that it was okay, that it was all right for them to just sin, just to sin frivolously and do whatever they want. I don't know about you, but have you, have you ever, like, had a conversation with someone, and no matter how much you explained it to them, no matter how much you broke it down for them, no matter how, how much you try to help them understand, they just wouldn't get it? Anybody ever had that conversation? Well, that's what Paul is dealing with, right? I got, I got to give credit to my brother. He graduated. My brother Jonathan Reyes is no longer just Jonathan Reyes, but Dr. D Jonathan Reyes. All right? I, and, I, and, I, and I thought about him, right, in, in, in this moment, because what? Because the first time I went to his presentation, I was just lost. Like, I understood a little bit. And then he, he was texting me about him doing his, his presentation as he's defending his thesis and all this stuff. And so when he, when he texts me this, and he's like, yeah, you know, he just started to explain something. And then I, I threw him a bone. I was, it was for me, really. It was really for me, and it was for me alone. And I said, you know, the way that you teach something is you usually take the people from where they are, and then you build upon that knowledge. And that's what he did and I was able to follow his presentation all the way and you know at some point I was a little lost I mean I'm not that smart right it's on engineering and he's talking about you know CT scanning fire I'm like oh my you know so anyway I mean that's the, that's the basic breakdown of what he was doing but it wasn't that easy right I didn't get there but 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 the reality is if he would have tried to explain this stuff to me in that high terminology I would have never gotten it but if he sat down and broke it down then we can actually grasp this but the fact is there's some people that we'll talk to and have conversations with and they will never get it you find yourself having the same conversation over and over and over, and they don't get it. And here, let me, let, let me just say something about the gospel in our lives. I and you need to be reminded of the truths of the gospel often. We need, listen, you need to repeat the truth of the scriptures to yourself often. And sometimes you need brothers and sisters to repeat the truths of these scriptures to you often. And that way you'd grow in that faith and you grow in that understanding because one day, someday, hopefully it will click because sometimes we just don't get it. 
And so Paul is having this type of situation here. And so I ask you to repeat this after me. Grace is a call to a new allegiance. Grace is a call to a new allegiance. And so the grace of God comes in the form of Jesus Christ. And Paul is having this conversation with these people again. And I want you to notice verse 1. Verse 1 says what? Look at chapter 6, verse 1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now notice what verse 15 says. It doesn't say the same exact thing. There's a word missing there. Verse 15, it says, what then shall we sin? And the reason why that is there is because in the original language, what you have to understand is that the first one is they were asking the question, the rhetorical question or that Paul is asking them, is that you're thinking that you can just continue in sin. It's just a continual sinning and not worrying about it because you're not under law, but you're under grace. And so then they come back with a, with a follow-up question. Okay, well, I can't continual sin, but can I sin every once in a while? Is it okay to sin every once in a while? But listen, if you are a Christian in this room... I want you to know, sin is never okay. Did you get that? If you are a follower of Jesus, right, sin is never okay. There is never a moment that you should ever feel like, you know what, it's okay if I lie here. No, it's not okay. But Bishop, you don't know. My wife's asking me how she looks in this thing, and I don't want to. My husband's asking me about it. No, 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 it no, it doesn't matter. But but if I don't lie here, it doesn't matter. You're ne it's never okay to lie. Never. It's never okay to lie. It's never okay to cheat. It's never, there's never a moment where there is a real justification for us to sin. And so that is what the apostle is dealing with here in this second question. And so what does he do? He emphatically responds again, no. Why? Because first of all, we know that we have died to the sinful nature. That's what we talked about last week, right? We have died to the sinful nature, and we have been given new life. But now this week, he deals with another topic, and he starts talking about this thing, about us now no longer being slaves of righteous, of sin, but now we are slaves to Christ. And so what is that? What does he say there? In, the, in verse 16, he says to present yourselves. So what does that mean for us? It means that we now have to make ourselves or put ourselves at the disposal of Christ. That's what it means to present ourselves. That we have to present ourselves, that we make a conscious choice to present ourselves to Christ. The call to follow Jesus is one of grace. We get to follow him. <clears throat> and so look at it with me. Verse 15, he says, what then shall we sin because we are no longer under grace? Certainly not. Absolutely not. May it never be. Do you not know? And so again, he brings it back, to, back on them. And I, I love the way he does that. He says, do you not know this? That to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to life. And so again, the call to follow Jesus is one of grace. Check it out. God offers us new life, but he expects a new lifestyle. God offers us new, he, he say, hey, I have a gift for you. It is new life. I'm going to give you new life. It's not going to cost you a thing. You can do nothing to earn this new life. That is what grace is. I'm giving you new life, but you know what I expect? I expect new life to produce a new lifestyle. 
I expect you to live differently. It's kind of like, you know, your kids, right? You're going ahead and they're complaining about their phone and you decide to be a, a nice parent and you purchase them an iPhone, right? And you would hope that your child would now respond to your text, that your child would now FaceTime you maybe, that your child would now pick up the phone when you call them. Would you not, right? Because you gave them something that didn't cost them anything and you expect their behavior to change. Come on, somebody. This is the same thing with Jesus. Are you here? He offers us new life. He says, listen, I have, I have the best gift for you ever. But if you accept this gift, you better know that I expect your life to change. I expect your life to change. You have to make a choice. You and I have to make a choice. The same way, now listen, the same way that we trust Jesus in salvation, we trust Jesus to save us, is the same way we are supposed to be trusting Jesus to sanctify us. Are you here? That's what Paul's talking about in these chapters. He's talking about this sanctification. That word again, sanctification, means what? It means to be set apart. And so what God is doing is he's saying, here's the gift that I'm going to give you. Now set yourself apart to me. Set yourself apart from sin and set yourself apart to me. It's the same thing in marriage. In marriage, what happens? In marriage, you meet somebody, right, before you marry them. You meet someone prior to this. Oh, you know, options were open. Right? You didn't know who you were going to marry, and so any guy or any woman could have been the one that you would have married. But then one day, you made a commitment, and you said yes. When you said yes, what did you do? You said no to every other person that was, that, that was ever going to approach you, that was ever going to seek you. You said no to them by saying yes to this one. Are you here? It's the same exact thing in our relationship with Jesus. We make the choice. We make the choice. The enemy is going to come in the same way, and, and, and I use the analogy of marriage, the same way in marriage, other people sometimes are going to find you attractive, are going to find you a, a person they want to approach, and guess what? You need to make sure, what? That you let them know what time it is. I'll give you a case in point. One day, y'all know I was Ubering for a little while, and, and one day I'm driving in this Uber, and this young lady gets in the car, and when she gets in the car, I don't know what happened, but she said, hey, can I rub your head? And I was like, I don't think my wife would like that. I'm just saying, I, I, as shocked as you are, I was equally shocked. And I was like, quick response, my wife would not like that. Hello, somebody. I said no to every other woman. There's no, there's no question about this, right? And so the reality of this is, for us, we make the same decision for Jesus. But here's what I want you to hear and understand, is that Jesus said clearly, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. Specifically, he was speaking of God and mammon or the God of money. You cannot serve God and money. He makes it crystal clear. But the principle applies to anything. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve your sinful nature and serve Jesus at the same time. It's impossible. They're both juxtaposed. They, they, they're, they are in opposition to each other. The spirit longs for one thing. The flesh longs for another thing. That's what the scriptures teach, right? And so what we understand is what? Is that we have to make a choice which master we are going to serve. God doesn't choose for us. We choose. In sanctification, we choose. We make the decision. Who am I going to serve? Every day, I make a decision. Who am I going to serve? You make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Whether you like it or not, that's just a reality. The truth is, Jesus made provision for you. But here's what I want you to grasp. What I want you to grasp here is that our decision of who we choose have grave consequences. Because if you choose to serve Christ, then guess what? Life is the result. Righteousness is the result. If you choose to serve sin, then guess what? Death is the result. And whenever we think about death, I always go back to the book of Genesis. 
Because automatically in our minds, when you think death, when I think death, I'm going to assume this. Whenever I think death, I just think about breathing my last breath. When I think of death, that's what I think about. Automatically, I think about death. But we know that death is not the extinction, right? It's about separation. And so you know what happens? What happens is if you decide that you are going to serve sin, guess what? Your relationship with God will be severely hindered. Your relationship with God is going to be, you're, you're going to, that connection, the same way that Adam was fully connected with God, and all of a sudden he was disconnected, is the same thing that happens to us when we decide we're going to serve the sinful nature. But not just that. We know that that happens. But what about in the natural realm with people? Well, you know what happens? All of a sudden, relationships are strained because sin entered the situation. Now we have this struggle. that It's a temporal struggle until Jesus restores everything. But the reality is because of sin that entered, death occurred. And now relationships of peace, there's no more peace. Relationships of unity, there's no more unity. Until we come to Christ and humble ourselves to him, we don't experience what God has. And we're seeing death all around us. Are you here? This is what occurs when we decide that we're going to serve our sinful nature. Death is not just the eternal death. It's not just the spiritual death. But there are some deaths in relationships, deaths in situations that occur in our lives that God doesn't want us to experience. But if we choose death, then that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to have if we choose to serve our sinful nature. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is say, our new allegiance can only be kept by the power of grace. Our new allegiance can only be kept by the power of grace. You listen, I want you to understand this. Serving God is impossible apart from God. Obeying God is impossible apart from God. You and I cannot obey God the way that he is to be obeyed apart from the grace of God. This is why we as Christians, listen, we have something that other people do not. We serve a resurrected Savior. We serve the only God who comes to this earth, lives a perfect life, dies in our place, rises again, giving us the power and the ability to overcome sin. That's a beautiful thing. He empowers us. We, we, we don't just know what God expects of us, but we are empowered by his spirit to do it. When we get to chapter 7 in a, in, in a couple of weeks, to the, to the second part of chapter 7, you're going to see what happens and what it looks like when someone is trying to serve God based upon their ability, not God's grace. See, God's grace empowers us. That's the reason why we have to, see, hear me when I say this, being set apart, this is, this is what I mean, being set apart from sin does not mean that you don't only, that, that you only do not do things. Being set apart from sin means you set apart yourself with someone. See, again, in marriage, right, it's not just about saying no to everyone else, it's about saying yes to one person. See, because if you're not saying yes to one person, guess what? It's going to be real hard to say no to those other people. Are you here? If you're in a marriage and you're not connecting with the person you're married with, you know what happens? This disconnect occurs. This, this relationship is not there. Go on ahead and read your Bibles, and you're going to see how important this is. As a matter of fact, if you don't have to turn there right now, but if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, speaking specifically on the topic of sexual intimacy in a marriage, what does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us not to separate from each other for a while because of what? Because the enemy comes into that, into that situation and brings temptation. So what do we need to do? We need to separate ourselves not just from things but to Christ because when I'm rejoicing in him when I am worshipful with him when I'm experiencing his love and his grace is washing over me it is so much easier to say no to other stuff are you here it's kind of like someone who's on a diet are you here 
I know some of y'all are trying, right? I know, I know the year started, you were doing well. All of a sudden, we're, we're, we're in April. Glory to God. Not so well, at least for me. Anyway, that's me. But here's, here's, here, here's what, 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 I, what I realized clearly, is that if I am starving, it is so much more difficult for me to say no to all that bad food, right? But if I go on ahead, right, and I, and I eat, even though, you know, it's rabbit food or whatever, right? <laughs> if I go ahead and I fill myself with something, it's a lot easier for me to fight the temptation to eat something I shouldn't. It all has to do with what I'm filled with. And when we're talking about grace, it is about us understanding what Jesus has done and us, re and, and us reserving or, or resolving in our heart that we are going to glorify and honor him in our lives and all that we do. That we are going to serve him because of what he has done for us. And that is what Paul is trying to get us to understand. And so our new allegiance can only be kept by the power of grace. So what's the deal with all the slave talk, right? I don't know if you noticed in this chapter when we just read it here, but the, the, but the word slave or slaves is utilized eight times in nine verses. That's a lot, would you not say? That's almost one time per verse. And some verses is used two times, three times, or whatever. And, and, and there's a reason why the Apostle Paul is speaking, on, using this terminology. As a matter of fact, he apologizes for using the term. When you think about what he says there, he's like, I use this, I use this analogy or I use this example because the weakness of your flesh, because you can't really grasp spiritual things. So let me bring it down for you. Let me help you understand what this happens. And I want you to know verse 18 is the key verse for this whole portion of the text. Look at verse 18 with me. It says this, and said, and having been free, been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. But I love what Paul says in verse 18, in verse 17. He says, but God be thanked. What does Paul do? He gives thanks to God because God has done something, because God has liberated us from our sinful nature. But look at this. I want you to think about this word here. This word slave is the Greek word doulos. And what this word means, it's, it actually, when you look, at the, look this word up, what this word means, it, it means somebody who is the lowest of the slaves in the culture at that time. Some estimated that during the Roman Empire, during the time when Paul is writing this, that some 70 to 80% of the population were actually enslaved in some way, shape, or form. They were either servants of someone else, they were enslaved. There was no middle class back in those days. There were rich folk and poor folk. That was it. There was, no, there was nothing of what we have in our culture now. You see this in other places. We think we got it bad here. We ain't got it bad here. Listen, there's other places that it is much, much worse. If you go and you do statistics, you'll see difference. When you look back in history, that's how it was. And so when Paul used this analogy, he's like, oh, y'all know what that's like. You know that person that walks around all, all the time. You see them begging or you see that person that is in, in a bad situation where they have no will of their own. That, that, that's, what, that's what doulos is. And he's saying this. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, before you came to Jesus, that's what you were to sin. You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to your sinful nature. You didn't have the ability to overcome sin. You didn't have it within yourself to overcome sin. What does it mean? It means one who had not a will of his own and whose life was marked by servitude. I want you to get this because before you came to Christ, your life was marked by your servitude to sin, by your slavery to sin. If you go back, and that's going to be my challenge later on, but if you go back and you look at your life before you came to Jesus, don't start doing it right now. Come on, pay attention to me. Come on, pay attention. Don't go, don't go let your mind wander. Come on. But here's the thing. Your life, my life was marked by my servitude to sin. Everybody saw what? The slave to sin that I was. 
I may have not seen it. I may, may have not recognized it. But you know what? When I come to this side of the cross, I'm like, man, I was in bondage. Man, I was, I was blind, right? And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, he said, you, this, this is what this is. And so look, looking at this, at this definition, it means one whose will is swallowed up in the will of another. And so Paul is saying at one point, your will was swallowed up in your desires, in your sinfulness. And now because of Jesus, guess what? You present yourselves to him, your will is swallowed up in his. That's what, that, that's what the difference is. That's what is supposed to have happened here. One who is bound to another in bands, listen to this, so strong that only death can break them. Well, that, that's how we were. Until death, we were going to be bound. And guess what happened? Jesus came along. We submitted our lives to him. If you're a follower of Jesus, and guess what? Death occurred. Glory to God. Death occurred. And now we have new life in Christ. And it's the same thing. Now we are with Jesus. And the only thing that would be able to separate us from him would be death. And the Bible says death can't even separate us from the love of God. And so we can be encouraged. This is what Paul is telling us. It means one who serves another to the disregard of his own interest. Listen, have you ever seen somebody who was in slavery to sin, like really big time in slavery to sin? Like you see somebody that's, that, that's, that's a drug addict, and, and you know them, like it's personal. Not just someone that you see, but someone that you know. And you see this person who is continuing down this road of destruction. They're losing their money. They lose jobs, they lose houses, they lose cars, they lose family members, their health is destroyed. I mean, they are a slave to this sin, and, what, and, it's, to, and, and it's not to their own interest. It's to the disregard of what's best for them. It's the same thing when we follow Jesus, except we don't lose, we win. We don't lose, we lose our lives, but we gain our life according to Christ. Listen, God doesn't want us to be walking around, and that's the beauty, and this is why Paul apologizes for the analogy. It is because Jesus is not a slave master like sin is. And so he doesn't want you to think of it in those terms because you know what? Even as a believer, you have a choice. You have a choice to serve him or not. You, you Listen, you make a choice every day, decision after decision after decision, if you are going to serve Jesus or you're going to serve yourself. So Paul proclaims, thank God. What? Because God has delivered us from the slavery of sin. So let's read that verse 17. God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And I love the way Paul says that because he doesn't say to the form of doctrine that was delivered to you. He says to the form of doctrine you were delivered to because what happens when you become a believer, you are now in the hands of the potter. And through God's word, you are being molded to become more like Jesus. It is through his word that we become molded and we become, and we become more like him. And Paul goes on to say again the verse that is the clutch verse in this area here. And having been set free from sin by the power of grace, by the power of the gospel, by the power of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, because you unify with that, you became slaves of righteousness. And so now your life is given to the great king of glory. Your life is given to the one who died and rose for you. And he goes on, and this is where the apology is. And it's not like a full-on apology, but here's what he says. I speak in human terms. So he's qualifying what he's saying. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your, of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. 
the same way that we served sin, we should serve our Savior. Listen, I don't know about you. I know about me. And when I was out there, I was out there. I wasn't, I wasn't in between. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to come to church because I wasn't going to be a hypocrite because I knew that I was not going to change my life. I knew that. I knew that I was not going to change the way that I was living. I understood that. I was all out for Jesus. I mean, not for Jesus, for sin. And when I came to Christ, I want you to know I'm all out for Jesus. I have to be all out for Jesus. I gave my life to the enemy. You know, I thought about this. What would the church look like if we served Christ the way we sinned against him? Think about that. What would your life look like if you serve Jesus the way that you sinned against him? With reckless abandon. You weren't thinking about Jesus. Listen, the only reason why I used to pray every night is because I knew I was going to hell and I was afraid. Hello. It wasn't because I wanted God to change my life. I was just trying to hope, hey, maybe if I pray this prayer, I won't experience the wrath of God. No, that's false. But nonetheless, I thought maybe. And God graciously, mercifully saved me. But the reality is that when we look at this, what Paul is saying is, look, we were slaves of sin. And, and, and the way that you gave yourself to your sin, you need to give yourself to your Savior. It's your choice. Third thing, repeat this after me. Say, the fruit we see in our lives is the result of our true allegiance. The fruit we see in our lives is the result of our true allegiance. I want you to understand, the ultimate test of our faith is the fruit we bear. The ultimate test of our faith is the fruit we bear. Listen, it's not the confessions that come out of our mouths. It's not the things, listen, it's not even the things that we do for God. Are you here? It's not those things. Those things can be part of the fruit. But the fruit of our lives, what really comes out of us, that is telling us what the root really is. Who are we really pledged to? Who are we really committed to? You and I can say we're committed to Jesus, but if our life doesn't bear that fruit, see, because if we're not connected to the vine, guess what? We can't bear fruit. I said this before when I was preaching through um, John 15. Y'all know that that's my verse for the year. Uh, uh, and, and, and so when, when Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches and the Father is the vine dresser, I went through the analogy and someone corrected me who knows about, you know, trees and stuff. And I said, look, the branch doesn't do anything, right? What does the branch do for the fruit to come out? Nothing. It's just connected. It's hanging there. And all of a sudden, this thing starts coming. I mean, if you're looking at the tree, and I guess there's something internally that's happening, right? But here's what I want you to think about for a moment. If this branch gets broken off the tree, can that branch reconnect itself? And y'all saw Karate Kid. I think it was part two, right? Y'all remember when he was up there, and he got the, the bonsai tree, and then this guy broke it, and he was, that's what made him fight. Y'all remember that story? I thought about that in this branch thing, right? What did Daniel have to do? He was like, oh, Mr. Miyagi. Uh, you know, he was like, you know, all nervous, right? He's like, what do we do here, right? And so we got to fix this bonsai tree because a tree can't fix itself, right? So God is the one who, who brings the fruit through our lives. Listen, the fruit that comes, Jesus said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit, period. There's no question about that. We can say what we want to say, but the reality is who we are. And so Paul goes on to say, verse 20 to 23, and let's wrap this up. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And so, hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't have to live for Jesus. I don't expect you to live for Jesus. No one should expect you to live for Jesus. But here's what I will tell you. If you're not living for Jesus, you're going to experience the wrath of God. 
You're going to experience the separation from God's love. You're never going to know God's love here on this earth. That's just the bottom line. But, but so, so my, 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 my cry to you is repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. Come to Christ. I'm not telling you to act better. I'm telling you trust Jesus to save you, period. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you have some stuff to think about, because Paul goes on to say, he says in verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you now you, you are now ashamed? How many of y'all are ashamed? Some of you that are believers, how many of y'all are ashamed of some of the stuff you did? Anybody? Just me. I'll just raise both my hands for all y'all, because y'all are y'all, y'all too holy for me when you were not following. There's stuff that, if I got up here and I told you some of the stuff that I did, some of the things that happened in my life, man, I'm ashamed of that stuff. I don't boast in that stuff. I, I hope that I never have to tell my kids about some of the stuff I've done. Are you here? Just being real, like I don't, I don't want them to ever think that that's okay, because it's not. I don't want anyone to ever think that's okay. I don't boast in those things. It's shameful the things that we've done in the past. And Paul says, for the end of those things is death again. That's the end of those things there when we're living for sin. He says, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, remember, you choose. God doesn't make you become this slave of righteousness. You make a choice to do that. You have your fruit to what? To holiness and the end, everlasting life. And he goes on to this verse that is so powerful and important for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord the wages of sin is death and so and so what is Paul's question Paul's question is this what's the benefit of sinning so I ask you that question what is the benefit of sinning maybe you don't get into an argument maybe you close a deal maybe you get some 30 seconds of pleasure somewhere Maybe you feel good for a moment. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Are you here? But what is the overall benefit of sin? There is no benefit. There's a death benefit to sin. And it's not the kind of death benefit that when someone dies for you, you're hoping they leave you that benefit. It's like the kind of death benefit. It's like you find out you got a house when someone died and they're upside down. Oh, now you got to deal with it. Hello. It's that kind of death benefit. But can I tell you something? Jesus Christ comes into this earth. He pays and takes upon our death benefit. He gives us real freedom, and then he offers up us life insurance. Are you here? He offers us assurance in this life that he will walk with us, that he will be with us, that he will mold us and make us more like him. The choice is up to us, and I want you to realize this. The fruit that we reap is solely the result of the allegiance that we keep. The fruit that we reap is solely... The allegiance of who we are connected with, of who we are committed to, who we are pledged to. And so here's my closing question for you. To whom have you pledged your allegiance? And I said it earlier when we talked about this slave mentality or this slave thought and the definition about us presenting ourselves. The thought is this, at whose dispose are you? Are you at the dispose of Jesus or are you at the dispose of your sinful nature? Who are you at the, at the disposal of? I mean, be honest with yourself. And here's what I want you to do as a way of application. I want you to take some time. You don't have to do it right now. It'll, it'll take a little bit more time than a few moments we have here. But I really want to challenge you to go home. I want to challenge you to sit down in your prayer closet, wherever that is. Maybe it's outside in the backyard somewhere. Maybe it's sitting in front of a lake somewhere. Maybe it's driving in your car. Don't do this driving because it's going to be really hard to do this if you're driving. So pull over to do this. But I want you to sit down. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what your life looked like before you came to Christ. I want you to think about what your life looked like before you came to Jesus. I don't want you to revel in it. I want you to just think about it. Think about what you look like. And then I want you to think about how your life looks now. I want you to think. I want you to write these things down, right? Think about what does my life look like now? 
And I want you to think in this sermon, say, okay, are there areas, because here's what will happen. Like, well, man, my life looked like this before. Now my life looks like this. Hey, I'm good to go. I can tell you that. But you know what I have to also do as a believer is I have to look into the mirror of God's word, and I have to recognize, you know what? Even though my life looks way different than what it did before, there are still things in my life that don't look like they should. And so here is the challenge to sit down, look at what your life looked like, look at what it looks like now, and then look at the areas where you need to change. And here's what I ask you to do. Rejoice in the changes that you see. Rejoice in the work that God is doing in your life and repent in the areas where you don't see the things you should see. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day that you have given us. Thank you for the privilege that we have had to hear your word. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free. We humble our hearts before you today, and we ask you, God Almighty, that you would help us to make allegiance to you, our Savior, our God, not to our, not to our sinful nature, not to our flesh, but God to our Savior. God, glorify yourself in my brothers, in my sisters, and as we sit down and as we reflect upon what we look like before, what we look like now, where we need to grow. Help us to be honest. And I pray for those in here that have not made a commitment to following you. Lord, may they call upon you today. May they be saved from their sin and from your wrath. And may they be able to make an, an allegiance to you for your glory and honor. In Jesus' good name, and everyone said, amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He is worthy.